Hello and welcome to Lighthouse Vineyard Church. We appreciate you joining us through this podcast. If you would like to know more about us, feel free to visit us online at lighthousevineyard.church. Thank you once again for joining us and enjoy the message. How's it going? Really well. Thank you, Lyndon. Lyndon, would you, would you mind hosting a bros giving? They're going to do this ladies friends giving, I thought maybe. Bros giving. <laughs> Take some time to think about it, Lennon. <laughs> All right, we got it. Ron's, Ron's hosting. Bros giving. Just guys, just go see Ron. All right. Hey, um, I did want to give you a, a, by the way, my name is Clint Schwartz. I'm the lead pastor here. Uh, give you a little bit of um, feedback on um, a little report on how we are helping people around the world and also in our community with that 10% that we set aside. So this past week, we sent uh, money over to Pastor Stanley to pay for um, setting up a nonprofit office over there. So they have a new ministry called Dream Life Global Ministries, which is going to be the parent organization over the children in Uganda. And it was a lot of work to set up uh, the office legally and uh, one of the requirements is that they would have a physical office with desks and, and uh, office equipment, things like that. So we sent the money over there to set up his office. So again, thank you guys so much for that. Um, and then later uh, in the week on Friday, um, we had John Burke. Many of you know John Burke. Here's a picture of him in front of Retta, Reason Enough to Act. That's uh, a crisis pregnancy center. And they help women who are pregnant who think that maybe their only alternative is to have an abortion. And they say, no, there are other alternatives and we'll help you. We'll train you. We'll give you the supplies you need to, to mother this child, to keep this child. And so they needed pack and plays to hand out to the new moms. And so John went and bought, uh, using your, your guys' outreach funds, um, 10 pack and plays that we gave to them this past week. And so that was a huge blessing. So again, thank you guys so much for your generosity. It allows, it allows us to be generous around our community and also around the world. So um, when I grew up, I grew up in Michigan. You guys, many of you know that. I grew up in the country between Centerville and Sturgis, and there was no cable television when I was growing up. We had a little TV, black and white, 13-inch TV. It had a red case around it. It had knobs. You actually dialed it in with these knobs, UHF, VHF. It was strange. There was two different ones. And uh, I had, we had three channels, so it didn't really matter that the knobs went up to 60, maybe? I don't know what it went up to. Um, we had 16, 22, and 28, NBC, CBS, and ABC. 28, I know, it's hard to believe, used to be ABC. It's not Fox, you know, Fox 28 is what it is today. And so we had very few channels to choose from. And I would come home from school and we'd turn on the TV, and uh, we'd watch reruns. There was always these shows that were on reruns, and I watched Happy Days with the Fonz. Saw that a lot. Yay, yeah, yay, yay. And I can't do it quite right. And I hate to admit it, but I watched Laverne and Shirley, too. I really did, like almost every day. Um, watched MASH. I think I've watched every episode of MASH, every one of them, uh, at least once. Um, but one of my favorites, which is kind of funny because I, I grew up Mennonite and uh, we didn't go to bars, 
but I loved the show Cheers. Anybody? Yes. Anybody? Yes. So I watched Cheers all along uh, when I was growing up. Had Sam Malone was the, the bar owner, and then you had Cliffy Clavin. Anybody remember Cliffy? Um, but my favorite character was Norm. That's why, right there. I loved it because when Norm would walk into the bar, for those of you that haven't seen the show, everybody would yell out his name, right? Everybody knew his name. Now, that actually plays into the theme song. We're going to read the lyrics of the the theme song. Have it up here. Making your way in the world today takes everything you got. Taking a break from all your worries, it sure would help a lot. Wouldn't it be nice to get away? Come on now, sing it out loud. Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name. I just feel like we should be dancing and holding hands. <laughs> and they're always glad you came. Doom, doom, doom. You'll be where you can see. The troubles are all the same. You want to be where everybody knows your name. Man, you guys are much better than first service. I just got to tell you that. And they had an extra hour of sleep anyway, and they still struggled with that. But I would say people like Norm would go to a bar in the evenings, maybe um, once or twice a week, maybe every night of the week, because people knew them there, right? They knew their name was known. There's a restaurant uh, just down the road here. And by the way, I would recommend it. It's called Jan's. It's on Mishawaka Road. And it's a breakfast, lunch place. And every time I go there, uh, the waitress says, okay, you want two eggs over easy? You know, and wheat toast and decaf coffee. And I'm like, yep, yep, that's what I want. And it's nice because she remembers me and she remembers what I want. And it's, it's crazy, but that makes me want to keep going back there. And it's important when people know you or they know your names. And by the way, that's why we do name tags. Uh, We wear name tags so that we can call each other by name. Because I don't know about you, but I'm really bad with names. And so I'll see someone that that I, I should know their name. I think I know their name, but I might avoid them because I'm not sure if I know their name. But if you all have a name tag on, I'll just look and go, hey, Matt, how's it going? And I just, I see it. It reinforces that I'm, I'm right and that I can actually go up and talk to you. So if you're not wearing a name tag, please, in the future, throw on a name tag. It's really helpful for community. So I think we all want to be known. I think that's just a common theme for all of us. Pastor and author John Ortberg says this, You can only love and be loved to the extent that you know and are known by somebody. Let me read that again. Let that one sink in. You can only love and be loved to the extent that you know and are known by somebody. There's a lot of truth in that. And then I like this next one by Tim Keller. He's a pastor and author as well. To be loved but not known is comforting, but superficial. To be known and not loved is our greatest fear. But to be fully known and truly loved is, well, a lot like being loved by God. It is what we need more than anything. It liberates us from pretense, humbles us out of our self-righteousness, and fortifies us for any difficulty life can throw at us. 
And then this last one is by author Deeth Banger. He said, not known person, so sad. Not known person, so sad. And the reality is, I think we all have a desire to be known, each and every one of us. We want, we want people to know our names. We want people to know our likes or, or dislikes. And I believe that every one of us simply just wants to be known by someone. So hold that thought. We're in a series right now called Psalm 23, Discovering How God Cares for Us. And it's a series where we're going to go through every verse of this chapter and walk through it uh, over the next several weeks. And last week, we studied verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. And we had two points that came out of this. It's, it's God's provision for us. We can trust that God will care for us because we are his prized possession. Each and every one of us is prized by God. And if we're prized by God, we can trust that God will take care of us because he's really good at what he does. He's really good. He knows how to take care of us. So today we're going to be studying verse 2. Verse 2. But I'd like to read the entire chapter together again. It's the six verses. We'll read it out loud. Psalm 23. If you guys would, read with me. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And our focus today will be on verse 2. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. So our message title is Psalm 23, The Shepherd Who Knows Me. The Shepherd Who Knows Me. The Shepherd Who Knows My Name. So we're going to give you a couple of points, but if you would... Pray with me as I pray for the message. So, Father, we come to you and we thank you that you know us, that we are known by you. Because each one of us wants to know and be known, especially known by you. So, God, I pray that you would open up our hearts and our minds to hear from you today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so you can fill this in on your handout if you would like. God shows us how much he knows us by requiring us to rest. Requiring us to rest. Verse 2 says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. Now, we're going to be learning through this series a lot about sheep and a lot, of, a lot about shepherds, but one of the things we're going to learn about sheep is that they're not very smart. They're definitely not very good at taking care of themselves. So I read uh, one author had stated that sheep, when they get led from the sheep pen up into the grassy areas, that they will eat and eat and eat and eat. In fact, they'll eat all day and they won't even take a break. And so if they do that all day in the heat of the sun and all of that, they'll be too tired to make their way back down the hills and the mountains back to the sheep pen. So it's up to the shepherd to kind of have them take a break. He says, oh, you need to stop eating and lie down. I know it's a green pasture all around you, 
but you need to take a break because you're going to need that rest to get back down at the end of the day. See, the good shepherd knows what the sheep can handle. He knows when they need to take a rest. Our heavenly father knows what we can handle. and He knows when we need to take a rest. He actually laid it out in the Ten Commandments. Exodus 20, 8 through 11 says, Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but on the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. So the Sabbath is all about taking a break from our work. So scripture says that we're supposed to work for six days, and then on the seventh, we're supposed to take a break. We're supposed to rest. In Israel, in the, the Jewish tradition, the Sabbath started on Friday night. So as soon as the sun went down, the Sabbath started. And then when the sun went down on Saturday night, Sabbath ended. It was a 24-hour period. Now, in America today, most of us think of Sabbath as Sunday. But it's really hard, I think, to take a break on Sunday anymore because we're living in the nation where it's 24-7, right? I mean, stores are open 24-7. Restaurants are open 24-7. In fact, there's a lot of manufacturing that's going on through the weekends as well. So it's a lot harder, I think, today to take a break on Sundays than when it, you know, it was like 30 years ago when everything was closed on Sunday. Now, a break can actually mean different things to different people. Uh, I heard this on a Vineyard podcast recently. It was a podcast specifically for church planners. But they said this, said, if you work with your hands, you should Sabbath with your mind. If you work with your mind, you should Sabbath with your hands. And I really like this because it's all about taking a break. So if you have a very physical job, then most likely when it comes to your Sabbath, for most of us, again, that's on Sunday, you should like not do anything physical. You should take a break physically and let your body rest. But if you have a job like me where it's not super physical, you have an office job or something like that, then it's probably really good if you would take a break with your hands. Does that make sense? So, so the example I have, and um, Pastor Michael Gatlin from the Duluth Vineyard said this as well, on his Sabbath, which is on Monday, he'll spend time in his work, woodworking shop. And for me, I'm finding that on Mondays, which is my day off, it's actually good for me to have a little bit of a project. I'll spend some time with God. I'll go for a walk in the woods. But it's good to have a little bit of a project, something to do with my hands. Because if I don't, if I'm, I'm just resting, like physically resting, then my mind starts working. You know, I start thinking about the message the next Sunday. I start thinking about my calendar. And so if you have the kind of job that really is very mental, you know, try to take a break. But if you have a job that's very physical, you know, maybe what you need to do is, is read a book, listen to a podcast, do some things that are more mental than, than physical. But the goal of the Sabbath for each one of us is to take a break from our work. Man, I, I've, I've worked those, those weeks that it's just seven days straight. Anybody, you've been there, you know, where you work seven days straight and then what happens on Monday, the dreaded Monday morning? It's like, oh, this is awful. I don't feel ready for this week at all. But the goal of Sabbath is to make us lie down, right? To recoup, to recover physically, emotionally, spiritually. 
But I would say we're not very good at that. <laughs> if our calendar is clear, like, hey, Sunday, I, let's pack it full. Let's do this. Let's do that. And then we get to Monday and we're like, oh, I'm just so tired. You know, God wants us to take a break. It's so that we can recover and re- recoup so that Monday morning is like we're ready to get back to work. Does that make sense? Now, God modeled this idea of working six and resting one when he created the universe. He created the universe in six days, and on the seventh, he rested. I don't even know if he needed to rest, but he just chose to do that. Probably part of it was to model to us what we are supposed to do. And then, of course, he commanded it. It's part of the Ten Commandments. You need to take a break. That's how he is making us lie down in green pastures. He knows us so well. He knows what we need. So you can write this down. Sometimes the most spiritual thing I can do is to take a nap. Right? You guys been there? Yeah. I can be a much better person after taking a nap, you know, if that's what I need. So I wanted us to take a second and just internalize this a little bit. Okay, let's, let's look inward. Ask ourselves this question. How well am I Sabbathing? How well am I Sabbathing? One day a week, am I really taking the time to do what I need to do to recoup, to recover, to reconnect? And I think that there is a spiritual component to that. You know, it's really good to come to church. Uh, right now, in America, becoming being a... Um, uh, consistent attender of a church, people consider that three out of eight Sundays. So they consider it active in their church, a regular attender, if you go three out of eight. I would just say that's not a a really good use of your Sabbath. If five out of eight weeks, you're not coming to church and worshiping together, you know, reading scripture together, praying together, hanging out with God's people, I mean, So I would just encourage you guys, make coming to church a regular part of your Sabbath routine. And then do what you need to do to recover after that. God's commanded it. It's actually okay to go home and take a nap. It's okay to hang out with your friends and family. You know, if doing yard work gives you energy, it's okay to go do it. Now, I know my Mennonite friends when I grew up would be all upset with me right now for saying that. But do what you need to do. And if yard work is not fun for you, don't do it on Sunday, okay? Do the things that bring you life on Sunday, all right, on your Sabbath. Now, I do have a second question. This is for some people. How well am I working? How well am I working? Exodus 29 says, six days you shall labor and do all your work. So there's an expectation that we need a Sabbath because we've been active all week long. I really don't think that God intended us to Sabbath every day. I don't, okay? I think that God has wired us to be active, to do things. Now, for many of us, that means we have a full-time job and we're working five or six days a week. But for others, you may be in school and it's like, okay, do your schoolwork. 
Or you may be unemployed. Well, if you're looking for a job, then that's your new job, right? Is you, is you look for a job. Now, there are some who have chosen to stay home with their kids. That's okay. That's a lot of work, <laughs> okay? That's a, that's a 24-7 type job. The important thing for you, if you're you know, a stay-at-home mom, is to make sure that you are getting a break at least one day a week. So husbands, help out, okay? Because they need a Sabbath as well. And if you're retired or you don't need to work, that's okay. But that doesn't mean that you can't still be active. Volunteering, you know, volunteering here at the church, there's a lot of organizations that we can volunteer, helping the neighbors, watching grandkids. I mean, there's so many things, doing projects around the house. There's so many things that we can be doing. And I would say that there's a lie going around in our country today, which is, you know, when you've made it, when you don't have to do anything. That's just depressing. I will just tell you that. Because we are wired to do things, to do something. And so the cool thing is if you don't have to do anything, you get to choose what you do, which is great. But we should be tired <laughs> through the week so that we come to a point where we need a Sabbath. Okay, that's not for everyone here, but that might have been for someone. That's point number one. God shows us how much he knows us by requiring us to rest. Here's number two. God shows us how much he knows us by personalizing our provision. Personalizing our provision. The scripture says, he leads me beside quiet waters. Now, again, we didn't grow up as shepherds or around sheep, but in King David's day, they certainly understood this. Sheep cannot drink from running water. Okay, so you can lead a sheep over to a running river and they're just going to look at it and they would really, they would have all kinds of trouble because they will not drink from running water. The shepherd knows that. So instead of throwing the sheep in and saying, well, you need to drink, I can drink from it. No, the good shepherd says, I know that about you. You can't drink from running water. So I'm going to take you up or downstream until there's a little bit of a, an eddy, a little bit of a pool, and when there's quiet water, and I'll take you to it. Because he knows us. He knows the sheep. God knows us. He knows exactly what we need. He knows exactly when we need it. So I'm going to have Melanie Berkey come up here. Um, she's going to tell us a little bit about what's been going on in her life and how God has been speaking to her very directly. So Melanie is a leader here at Lighthouse. She leads our outreach project. So when you all sign up for the outreach next Saturday, right, Melanie? Right? Yes. Yes, they need to bring... They need to bring... You need to bring a truck, right? Yeah. Not everybody has a truck. They can still come, though, right? Yeah, please. <laughs> okay. But when you come, she'll be leading that outreach next week. And Seth leads our student ministries here. But they've been on a journey for a couple of years now. So why don't you tell us about that? So we chose to adopt from South Korea. And we applied last March for, um, for adoption. And two weeks ago, we went and met our son for the first time. And um, Wednesday, we received kind of our preliminary approval. And so now we're just waiting for some signatures and um, signatures and his visa. And so in about 18 days, not that I'm counting, we'll go back to Korea and bring him home. Right? So I in think we have a picture of Kai. Can we see that? Look at that three-piece suit. How dapper is that kid? So in, in about a month, we're going to have Kai back in children's ministry. 
Right. I mean, you're going to put them back there. You absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm super excited about that. Now, as as part of the process, though, God's been speaking to Melanie for quite a while about making some lifestyle changes so that she would be in a place to care for a one and a half year old. Yeah. November two. Yeah, two two year old little boy. So why don't you tell us about that? So when I felt led to adopt, I shortly after I felt also led to leave our business. My husband and I own a business and that's all I've ever done, all I've ever known. And if I do say so myself, I thought I was pretty good at it. So I was, <laughs> I what really- you, Now what's your business? Star Martial Arts, little yeah. plug there. Yeah. <laughs> Thank <Yep>. you. <laughs> so um, I felt like God was kind of leading me out of the business and I didn't understand. I still don't know if I understand why, but that's okay. And so the last year and over a year and a half, I've been wrestling with it, honestly. And um, back and forth, back and forth. And then back in September, when we did the series on hearing from the voice of God, I used the prayer room and I fasted TV uh, just to dig a little bit more into it because God was like, no, really, I meant you need to leave the business and I mean it and it's coming up on your first trip. So like, let's, let's do this. And so, um, through that time, he just, I, I'm like, okay, I'll obey. I'll, let's do this. And then when we got back from Korea, that was kind of my first step away from the business. And my husband was out on a business trip. And so honestly, I was just feeling really sad and I was feeling, um, insignificant and, I think through this process, God was showing me how much of my identity I was putting in what I do and the role of a leader and, you know, a control and all that. And so is that what it felt like being ripped away <laughs> was, you know, God's just kind of showing me that I'm enough as I am kind of sitting by <laughs> still yeah. waters and that I don't need to do anything. I don't right. need to, you know, to prove anything. He loves me as I am. Right. Yeah. So God, it's, so it's been a struggle for you. Right, and this part of the process has yes. been a struggle. So last week, and this is what she shared with us, last week we took time during service just to wait and hear from God. And we asked the question, we just said, God, how do you see me? That was the, que the question that we were asking God. And, and many of us actually, you know, God showed us an image or he spoke to us and God spoke to you, right? Yes. Why don't you share that? Yeah, he shared a white butterfly over a manger and her wings were flapping these big white butterfly wings. And I wasn't feeling like a big white butterfly at the moment. And so I was like, God, I know this is from you. Thank you so much for this. And at the same time, it doesn't really speak to me that much. Like, okay, thank you for that. And so the next day, um, as my husband left for the staff meeting and I was feeling sad and like everyone was gonna forget about me, um, I was journaling, doing my prayer journal, and I just felt like God said, reminded me again of that picture of that white butterfly, and I feel like he kind of spoke to me and said, you know, you are that white butterfly, but you're in a cocoon right now, and so I'm taking you through this transition of this time right now, because you are going to be a white butterfly, and that manger is Kai, and you're going to be flapping your wings over him, and so before we left for Korea, we had a we got our floors done, and so we had like no furniture because we sold all the furniture prior to that. And so I was in this big empty house, and I was just feeling lonely. And when God showed me that, He was like, "This house, this big empty house, is your cocoon." And I don't want you to go do anything. I tried 
to distract myself by going and doing things. And I just felt like he said, no, you're going to stay here with me and you're to sit with me and you're not to do anything. You're just to let me do the process of this cocooning with you. And so that's exactly what I needed. I was bawling and I was just, thank you, Jesus, so much for that message that was so special to me, specifically in that time. And the cool thing is, again, God knows exactly what we need when we need it. And so he spoke that to Melanie, you know, by herself. But then she was at a store and she saw this image. Why don't you talk to us about that? So the next day I had an appointment and I was waiting in the lobby and this, I saw this picture. And it's a, I often see pictures of butterflies, but I very rarely see a picture of a cocoon or a butterfly in a cocoon. And so I was just in the inside, I'm like, God, you're just so funny. You're just showing off at this point. Like, yeah. this is hilarious. <laughs> and so, and then the, the author's name in the corner, I don't think I got it in this picture, but her name, the author's name is Melanie. And I'm like, oh, come on, God, quit this. Yeah. <laughs> but isn't that cool the way that God can specifically speak to us? Thank you for Thank sharing you. that. Um, because God knew exactly what she needed to hear. He had a plan for her. And then he re-emphasizes it by having her see a picture of a butterfly in a cocoon, which, again, you either see a cocoon or you see a butterfly. You don't see that. And the painter's name is Melanie. I love that. Because that's the way God speaks to us. God knows us. He personalizes our provision because he knows exactly what we need when we need it. Jeremiah 1.5 says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before we were even created, God knew us. Because remember, we're, we are not this physical being that we see. We're spirit beings. So God knew us before he ever even gave us this physical being. Matthew 10.30 says, And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Now for me, that's a decreasing number about every day, but God keeps track of that. He knows. Okay, there's one less. No, there's 10 less. You know, he knows that. He keeps track of it. He knows me that well. And then Matthew 6.8 says, For your father knows what you need before you ask him. He knows exactly what we need before the words ever come out of our mouth. He knows us. He knows us so well. So God knows what we need. He knows what we don't need. He knows our past, and he knows our future. He knows our strengths, and he knows our weaknesses. He knows our victories, and he knows our failures as well. But this is the thing that, that it just blows me away. There are times when I'm just confronted with this truth that, that God knows every impure thought I've ever had. He knows every one. He knows every selfish, self-centered decision I've ever made. He knows them. He knows every sin I've ever committed. Every one. And yet get this. He loves me. He loves me. And not just me. He knows your stuff too. The stuff that you've never told anyone. 
the stuff that you've tried to forget and Satan keeps reminding you of it, those past mistakes, those failures. And you know what he says? He says, I love you. I love you, son. I love you, daughter. To be fully known and to be still loved. Man, that's an incredible gift. And that's the gift that God has for each and every one of us. So you write this in. God knows everything about me, and yet he still loves me. God knows everything about me, and yet he still loves me. I just want to say that out loud together because there's so much truth in that. And I just want to say this to the enemy that accuses us and tries to tell us something different. Okay? So let's just say this together. God knows everything about me, and yet he still loves me. Did you hear that, Satan? (laughs) The accuser of the brethren. Let's say it again. God knows everything about me, and yet he still loves me. So God, we thank you for loving us. If you guys would stand. Lord, we praise you and we worship you. Thank you for enjoying the message. We hope we helped you know God more intimately. If you feel our ministry is helping you spiritually, feel free to find out more about us at lighthousevineyard.church. Thank you once again for being part of our family, and we'll see you next time.